right, everybody. Glad to have you guys with us at New Life. Is everyone excited to be at church today? I mean, come on. Are you? All right. If the person next to you is not, just nudge them, okay? All right. Uh, just help them. Like, hey, come on, man. Here we are. Let's make the most of this moment. I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us here at our Carney campus. All of you that are worshiping with us at our North Platte campus and all of you that are worshiping with us online. Today we're taking a break from our current teaching series that we, that we uh, have been doing called Chain Breaker. And we're going to be doing a one Sunday event. This is a special Sunday. This Sunday is also the Sunday that uh, we have our members meeting tonight. So if you're a member, please join us tonight. We're taking some of the material that we typically do in our members meeting in the evening once a year. And we're moving it into Sunday morning so that the entire church can benefit from it. And we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. We believe that God has a powerful mission for the local church. And we here at New Life Church believe that the local church needs to be the best ran, most impactful organization in a community. More powerful than any other business that should be um, you know, in the community. And it should be ran better than any other business in the community as well. It's not that we're anti-business. We're very pro-business. I mean, keep doing what God's gifted you to do. We just believe that without the local church and the mission of the local church, what, what else really matters on this earth? See, the local church has the main mission to help connect people to the heart of God as, he, as, the, as we get connected to one another. And there's a, an age-old like statement, an age-old argument, you might say, where people have said, I don't need the local church to be a Christian. Some of you may have felt that way. You might be here today with those words even on your lips, like, I don't need organized church to be a Christian. And so what is the real answer to that? Is it yes Is it true? Is it no? Is it false? What is the real answer to that? And I would say true. You don't need the local church to be a Christian. But I'll say this. You won't be a very good Christian without the local church. Like we we need each other. And God built the local church to be the hope of the world, to inspire and encourage people to know him, to follow in his ways, and to grow in a more likeness of Christ. The local church has a powerful mission, especially when those who call themselves Christians come and we gather in it. So why does the local church then really exist? That's a great question. And I'm going to to oversimplify it by making two basic statements. There's two key reasons why the local church in this community of Kearney and North Platte and this church called New Life it exists. And it's really for two things. One is to win the lost, and the second one is to make disciples. I mean, everything about the local church should come down to those basic components. Winning the lost, helping people that are far from Christ get close to Jesus, and then helping those who are following Christ to grow in maturity in their faith. Now, this all comes from what Jesus said and what we have coined as the Great Commission. Jesus said these words very succinctly, go and make, go, meaning win, go, you know, spread the good news of Jesus to people that don't know him. And then once you do that, here's the, here's what I want you to do then. And that is do something purposeful with it. Make a disciple, make someone who sounds like Jesus, looks like Jesus, lives like Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. And at New Life, we accomplish our mission by maintaining consistency in a few key areas. Like to accomplish go and make disciples, we feel like there are some things that we just can't let go of that you experience that you may not even realize that you experience. And the first one is the presence of Jesus in our, in our midst. Like we, we just never want to come together as the local church and just go through a routine 
just go through a liturgy. Just go through a service from the beginning to the end. Like, that's not our mission. Our mission every week that we come together isn't to start on time and try to end on time. Although that's part of it, because we want to do things with excellence. But our main mission is to come together and to experience the presence of God. And we have people all the time telling us of how they're experiencing the presence of God when we gather together. And I'm encouraged by that. And that's something we want to maintain consistency in. We also want to maintain consistency in relevant teaching of God's word every single week. That's important to us. So if it snows, or there's a prediction of snow, then just know this. New life's not closing. Okay? If there's a big, bad blizzard and a big, nasty ice storm, maybe we'll close. All right? You see what I'm saying? I mean, we're in this thing to, like, to do it with excellence. We're in this thing to keep pursuing God. And we know that even if there was a, you know, a form of a blizzard, there would still be 12 people that would show up. And guess what? We're going to be here. Right? And if we can't be here, we'll be broadcasting from some hidden bunker somewhere deep underneath the bowels of all the snow. Right? So that in your house, you can, you can still worship with us. Right? Someplace, somehow, we're going to make sure that we're, we're teaching God's word every single week in one way or another. Some capacity, we want to do that even if it's in a video that we sent you. So the other thing that we want to maintain consistency in, though, is like creating moments where peer-to-peer relationship can take place. That's important for us, and it's called life groups. It's where you get together with others, and you study, you look at God's Word, you pray together, and you meet each other's needs. We really believe that's the way the early church was functioning, and that's still the way the church needs to function in 2018. Uh, the last thing that we, we, we really feel convicted that we got to maintain consistency in, and that's this. We have to maintain consistency in changing where God tells us to change. I know that that doesn't sit well with some of you because you don't like change. Most people don't like it. However, when it's God's direction of, hey, look, change or die, you change. Nothing stays the same for long or it dies. <laughs> So we constantly are looking at, God, where is it that you don't want us to make slight adjustments? And many times the changes are little tweaks. They're not always big, massive things. Sometimes it's big and massive. But at New Life, we summarize our, our mission with this one key statement, and we call it our cause statement. And that is to see people find Jesus and lives changed. Like, we live by that. It's a cause for us. And you know what a cause is, right? You, you bought into it. You're, you're all in. And you're willing to die for it. That's, that's how I am right now. Like with this statement. I, I will never back down from this statement. No matter what anyone would say or how they would say it to me. I know this. The mission of New Life Church, meaning now it's my mission because I'm the lead pastor and I'm part of the church, is to see people find Jesus no matter what the cost is and to see their life changed. No matter what the cost is. That's what we've been called to do. And that's all that first. That go and make disciples. But the, the, the local church also exists because of, a, of another key thing. Uh, and that is so that we can bring hope to a broken world. And that's, we exist to, you know, fulfill, really, the great commandment. The great commandment is found in Matthew chapter 22. And it starts with loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Where does it start? It starts with first loving the Lord, right? Okay, you're with me with that. So here's, here's one of the things that you need to know that I believe brings security to the local church. This church doesn't belong to Jeff Baker. It doesn't belong to the staff of this church. This church belongs to one, one entity, and that is this church is God's church. Okay, right off the bat. You as people, you don't belong to me. You don't belong to our staff. You belong to God. 
And as a, as a pastor, that's where our hearts stay. Our hearts stay with the attitude that this is God's church and you are God's people. And as pastors, we're just part of God's people. And maintaining that type of you know, heart before God is putting him and his desires first and foremost above all other things. And you've, we have to stay there in our personal lives, but we got to stay there with the church as well. But the second part of the great commandment then is loving others. <laughs> See, that's the other key component is that we, it, we don't just get to walk through this world loving God and offending everyone around us, right? If we really love God, then we should be loving others. And as a part of loving others, then we really promote in a big way life groups, because we believe that when you're in a life group with each other, then you have the ability to really meet one another's needs. A sad, sad day for me is when someone comes to the church and they say, I've got this really big, big need. Can you help us meet it? But they're not in a life group. Because I've heard too many radical stories about our life groups meeting big, big needs. Big financial needs, right? I've heard about our life groups meeting big practical needs. Um, and when people are doing life with each other, there's this accountability with one another where we can help each other at a point that, you know, an organization can't do. So I love it when I hear of people loving one another through life groups. I also love it when I hear of people that are living their lives, and we don't have an issue at this church with this, thank the Lord, but I, when people are living their lives saying, I'm going to be gossip free, and I'm going to be free of a critical spirit, it's easy in life to just get caught up in a form of gossiping about others in the local church. And that's, that's one of the number one ploys the enemy wants to use to bring disunity to a church, as well as create a critical spirit in you where when you look around, all you see is what you don't like versus what God's doing. And when that happens in your heart, that acts like a cancer to your soul. And so we love one another by resisting that and staying away from it. One of the best ways you can resist that gossip and critical spirit is to pray for your church, pray for one another in private, right, just by yourself, and then when you feel a critical spirit coming on, to pray for that, right? Because I got it, man. It's a large church. There's a lot of people. You're bound to find something that you don't like. Even I have things I don't like, right? But there's a difference between I don't like it and a, being critical about it. So I found that praying for the leaders that are over that area, that helps me. Praying for the issue that, you know, my, I'm kind of jaded by, that helps me a lot. You know, and then when leaders lead well, that's another way for us to love one another. I've experienced it in my personal life, and even recently, that when we don't lead well, then we, we don't really project the love that we're wanting to project towards one another. But when we lead well, then wow, it's amazing how others feel secure and safe around us, and that is love. So to make sure that we're accomplishing all of this and to make sure that we're winning at the mission that God has called us to at the local church and to lead it well, then we've come up with six core values. And these six core values, they kind of act like, if you will, guardrails that keep us on the path accomplishing the mission that God wants for our church to see people find Jesus and lives changed. And these six core values, they, they, they anchor us. But for new life, like a lot of other organizations, but as the church, our core values, they're, I mean, they, they matter to us. Our core values are not just nice little phrases and words that we all kind of pat each other on the back about and just kind of you know, politely say this is who we are. No, our core values are serious to us so serious that we track them throughout the year to see are we winning or are we losing? 
are we gaining traction in these areas or are we not? And so it's important for us. And every single year, we put together what we call the Spiritual Journey Report. You got a copy of a basic backbone of a Spiritual Journey Report today. Um, and, it, and I want to start by walking through our core values with you. The first core value is that save people, find people, right? Now, save people, find people. Why is this a core value? Because this, this is what we believe God's word says about the local church. That if you call yourself a Christian, then you should have the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus was that the kingdom of God would grow, grow rapidly and grow in, in an increasing fashion year after year with those who are far from God coming close to God, right? And so save people, find people at New Life is just a statement that says, look, if you call yourself a Christian, then let's act like a Christian, right? And so the evidence of that, just one piece, like we track a number of things here, but one thing is, you know, how many first-time guests do we have walking through the doors that were invited by you guys? And I'm proud to say 1,300 that actually filled out guest cards. That means there were more guests than that, but 1,300, that's pretty intense, And my voice even cracked in saying that. I'm proud of you guys. Good job. Way to go. That's that's what we do. Like, we bring people. It's amazing what God does. Now, look. So you go, well, I invited five people, but no one else showed back up again. Yeah, but you don't know what God did that Sunday that they were here. Right? Who are we to know what God's doing? And you know what? Here. You know what I pray? I pray that some of those 1,300 people, they came here, they got inspired, you know, and then they went, I've got to go back to my home church. I haven't been to my home church for years. And they walked back through the doors of their home church. Wouldn't that be exciting? Yeah, because who cares where they belong just as long as they belong? And saved people need to be finding people. So that's what we're about. So that's exciting. Here's the next one, though. Seekers find God. Now, seekers finding God. Some people would assume that that just means seeking God like before surrendering your life to Jesus. That is true. It does mean that. But for us, it also means seeking God throughout your entire journey. You you do realize that you'll never get so old that you can stop seeking God, right? You're you're never going to grow so much in your faith that there's like, you're going to get to a point where you go, ah, there's nothing else to learn. (laughs) I've got it all figured out. You guys need answers to the Bible? Come talk to me. Right? I got the answers. So we're no, none of us are ever going to get to that stage. So we're constantly seeking God. But one of the things that we celebrate with seekers finding God is salvation. And can you believe it? I mean, it blows my mind that 197 people at New Life Church in 2017 said, I'm committing my life. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus enough that they gave up their anonymity and they filled out a card to say, help me. Follow up on me. Pray with me. I'm so excited for the 197 that committed their life to Jesus in 2017. (laughs) Almost said 2019. In 2017, I want to say to you, congratulations. 2017 was a game-changing year for you. And I just pray that New Life Church can be a body of believers that can help you become all that God wants you to be. Amen? Wow, that's good stuff. And then the next one, everyone has a gift to share. Pretty straightforward. Here's what we're trying to say. Nobody's just a pew sitter. Nobody. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got something. Even if it's coming in and helping during the day to help us paint a room and bring it back to life. Help us clean the carpets. 
to working in our nursery, our, our tech ministries, our, our worship teams, our, I mean, all over the place. There's so many things, so many things that happen on Sunday with an attend a service and, you know, uh, you know, volunteer in a service, attend one, serve one, or it's like you're, you're attending a service here on Sunday and you're serving on a Wednesday night or whatever it is that you're going to do. But 439 people are a part of a team. Way to go. Way to go, 439, wherever you are. I love you. All right, here's the next one. We're better together. Now, you hear us say this one all the time. Well, we really are better together. I mean, that comes straight out of God's word where the body's made up of many different parts. There is no one part that's greater than another part. We all need each other. How can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? On and on and on, right? So we're instruments. We all play our instrument. When we play it correctly, it creates this beautiful harmony, this beautiful song. So play your instrument, all right? Learn what it is where you belong, but we're better together. One of the things that we celebrate with that is life group attendance. And 618 new lifers are participating in a life group right now. That's a lot of people in life groups, like community with each other, growing with one another. That's exciting. That's a leading indicator of a healthy church. How many people are involved in life groups? And by the way, some churches do life groups and some churches are life groups. We are a church that we are life groups. We don't just do them as a side note. We believe that they're essential and vital to the, to the mission of the church. Here's another core value, though, that growing people change. It's one thing to be going to a class or sitting in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and getting fed with stuff. It's a whole other thing to have the evidence of changing, though. Right? And so what we're not interested in doing here is this you know, continue like with the feed, 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 feed with no change. We want to see change. And I'm going to say this to you, just being up, up front with you. This is the area where we need our greatest, our greatest growth in, is in this particular zone right here that growing people change. You're going to hear about that um, even this morning. But one of the things that we track with that is, well, okay, well, our people that are, have recently committed their life to Christ, are they getting baptized? That would be an indicator of growing people changing. And 40 people said, I want to make a public pronounce, pronouncement that I've committed my life to Jesus and I don't care who knows about it and they got baptized in water, whether it was on one of our stages or it was at a lake or whatever. And so that's exciting, amen? That's good news too, right? And then lastly, you can't outgive God. And this is where we just, we just pull the plugs back and we go to places that you know, churches don't like to go to very often and that's your finances. And we just simply wanna tell you this, that where your money is, there's your heart. And so you cannot give God. We want to challenge every single person in our church to put God first in their finances and to tithe to the local church so that the local church, which is the hope of the world, can accomplish the mission that God has for it. And then we give offerings to other entities that might be out there as we see fit, like a Compassion International, you know, or the resilient uh, books that are going out into our communities. But 598 households in this church are giving units. They like, they're putting God first in their finances. And guess what? In 2017, there was like 32 or 35, I forget how many, 32 or 35 households that started tithing for the very first time in 2017. Now, that's exciting. Why? Because they're, where they're putting their money is, that's where their heart's going. And they're honoring God with their finances. And guys, I'm just saying to you, that's a game changer for your spiritual journey. So that's why we celebrate things like that. Now, all of these core values should show up someplace in, the, in how they're making an impact. One of the places we believe they should show up is how it impacts our weekend. 
our weekend worship is intense. It's like our moment where we come together and we say around here that it's, it's like halftime, right? It's that moment where in a football game where you get to come into the locker room, hear from the coach, get motivated from the coach again, hear the voice of the coach so we can go back out and we can play the second half. And so in the halftime here, this weekend is a big, big deal. And so we believe that if these core values are working and we're living them and we're producing good fruit there, then it will show up in advancing the kingdom. And one of the ways we can track advancing the kingdom is just in our attendance. And so if you look at the back of this, you'll see that the the weekend attendance, the average attendance for 2017 was 1,260 people. All right, big deal, right? Except for when you look at 2016, it was 1,125. So that's a pretty big advancement moving in the right direction. And you might say then, well, Jeff, why all the numbers? Like, why do you talk about numbers? And I will just say this unashamedly, that each number represents a person. And that every person has a story. And that people and their stories, they matter to God. So when we talk about numbers, we know we're talking about people. And that those people have stories that God loves. And every single number represents a person that God gave his life for. That every single number represents a person that God cherishes. So we connect numbers to people. And that people matter to God. That's why we talk about numbers. And by the way, read your Bible. God loves numbers as well. And so we celebrate these kinds of things because look what God has done in 2017. It blows our minds. We're humbled as your pastors to even be a part of a church that we're seeing God move in where lives are, being, are finding Jesus and lives are being changed. People are finding Jesus and lives are being changed. I don't know what else to say other than thank you, Jesus, for what you did in 2017. Amen? We'd never be able to really, you know, lead this kind of stuff without an incredible pastoral staff. I mean, we just got an incredible group of staff. We've got an amazing spirit-filled board, by the way. And the men that sit on that board are godly men that are trying with their hardest to, to be great, great men of leadership. And we even have an advisory team out in our North Platte campus made up of, you know, Robin Storr and Jason Norman and Eric Bacay. Um, and we just kind of tap tap into them periodically just to kind of get a pulse on what's happening at the North Platte campus. So all of that's 2017, but what about 2018, right? Like where, where are we really going in 2018? I just feel like it's a year just of anticipation. I mean, I'm excited about it, and here's the reason why I'm excited about it. Let's backtrack. I've been the lead pastor now for four and a half years. What an honor it's been. I followed an incredible friend and mentor who, you know, I was on staff with for nine years, Bob and Connie Wine, and they led this church for over three decades, okay? These guys have an impeccable track record of healthy ministry. And I, he was my boss for those nine years, and now he and Connie serve as the superintendent of our state over all of the churches of Nebraska, and so he's still my boss. Like, I can't get, underneath, I can't get from underneath him being my boss. He's still my boss, and I love it. I love it, and I honor him, and I, and I want to figure out how to serve him in that capacity. So... For 33 years or so, they led this church. And what incredible things. I mean, the spiritual journey reports for some of those years were off the charts with what God was doing through some of those years. 
And we're building on that, like, right? We're standing on their shoulders trying to build a church that impacts God's kingdom greater than it ever has before. Um, but here's one thing that, that, that Bob and Connie knew and that the board knew was that there was a strength, and every leader has a strength, okay? But where there's a strength, that also means there is a... Right, okay. So the strength was, you know, let's like our body. My right arm is my dominant arm, okay? So... Uh, I can curl like so much weight with this arm, more than I could, more than I can curl with this arm. All right. So the church had been growing and making disciples. And I mean, we were a church known for making disciples. All right. We were so known for making disciples that we could have competed in the, you know, Mr. Universe of churches um, and stood there and flexed our muscle of making disciples. And people would have been like, "Woo, that's awesome. Big. All right. So it was good. Over here, the arm of winning the lost. It works. It's not that it doesn't work. It just, if this one does 100 pounds, maybe this one did 50. And they got to a point where they realized, hey, look, in, when I'm making this transition, let's find somebody that values making disciples but can help us strengthen the arm of winning the lost, reaching people far from Christ. Because eventually their, their vision of the church was a church that had both arms equally strong. Here's what I feel like we've done for the last four and a half years. We've kept this muscle going enough that we, you know, it doesn't deplete. And then over here, we've been working this one heavy, man. I mean, if we're at the gym, we're over here, we're working this. We're, we're going, guys, the church exists, you know, to win the loss. The church exists to bring in new people. And there's so many new people that have walked through our doors. It's awesome. But going into 2018, I feel like we're finally at a point where both arms now are at equal strength. And we're going to put both hands on the curl bar and we're just going to curl it, man. And we're going to just keep reaching the lost and making disciples. And we're going to do it better than we ever have before. And that's the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be strong at both. You know, not strong just at one and deficient at the other. We don't want to, like, you know, forget about making disciples and just get this arm really big. That will be detrimental to spiritual growth, just like it would be if this arm was only strong and this arm was weak. So now we're at a point where we're going to engage the barbell, our community, with both hands and start curling it to the best of our ability. And so here's some things that I need you to be a part of, because this is what I see us emphasizing on in 2018. First off would be our Engage class. It's a four-week course that really helps you get the core values of who our church is into your heart helps you get our culture, why we exist, what we're on this earth to do. It helps you be a part of the team, all right? It's four weeks. Please, the next time you see one, if you haven't gone through it, sign up for it. It's also an on-ramp course into membership as a bonus. The second thing that I need you to be a part of in 2018 is this new growth track that's rolling out at our Kearney campus first, and then it will get rolled out at our North Platte campus. This is so exciting to me. The growth track is like, um, it's like an update to some stuff that we've always had around this church the whole time I was here, when I got here 19 years ago. And that is a value that people grow in their, in their spiritual journey in four stages. And you'll see out in the lobby, hanging on the wall, is step, walk, run, and give it all. Those are the four stages that we see. I want to encourage you, sign up for Growth Track, get involved with it, because it's for every single person, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. 
Go to mindnewlifechurch.com backslash growth track and take the navigation survey. Take it honestly, and it will help pinpoint you where you're at in one of those four stages. Then sign up for the orientation courses that are starting on February 18th. And then after those, be a part of the ongoing discipleship tracks that are designed for each one of those four stages. There'll be something for everybody. On a Sunday morning, we're going to be making disciples and winning the lost. And we're going to curl it together. And it's going to be exciting, exciting for your life as God continues to dig your spiritual well deeper and deeper than it ever has before. Another thing that we do around here that you may not know about, kind of in its infancy, is our leadership college. Our New Life Leadership College is designed so that when we plant future churches, we've got tracks that are training up the next generation to be children's pastors, worship pastors, youth pastors, and campus pastors. And we're wanting to equip the next generation that feels God's call upon their life to be a part of the next church plants or to go to another church and serve or to serve on staff even at our own church, raising up people within that are fully equipped and prepared to serve in a full-time ministry position. That's exciting to me. And although we're in our infancy, we have three young men, young men and women that are applying for ministerial credentials Full-time ministerial credentials, they're doing that right now, and they're getting ready to take their knowledge tests and then their interviews to see if you know, others will validate God's call on their life. Guys, it's exciting already, and you're going to be given opportunities to be a part of the leadership college by taking some of the global leadership, um, global university uh, courses in this leadership college, where they're college-type courses and you can go through and study God's word at a, at a much more intense level where there's quite a bit of homework. Um, so just be aware. It's, it's not patty cake, all right? There's a lot of chapters to read. There's homework that has to be done. But you're going to have opportunities to be a part of that if you so choose. The last thing is this. And all of these things are kind of stacking on top of each other. It's not like one issue, here's an issue, there, there. No, it's like engage, growth track, leadership college, and then the leadership pipeline. Our leadership pipeline's been around for about a year and a half or so, and it's really our endeavor to help transfer ownership uh, and spiritual leadership authority to the body. And so we do that by having assistant leaders, um, you know, team leaders, uh, directors, and then the pastors. And there's this like ladder that people can climb. You can enter where you need to and where you're qualified for. And then we kind of have ability to work people up the ladder of greater and greater levels of authority and influence in leadership. And this gives us now opportunities to challenge and equip people to become all that God really has for you to be. And so these four things working on top of each other, I think you can see that we're never going to stop, you know, helping people that are far from Christ know Jesus. But this year we've got a focus. And the focus is how do we make the great disciples? How do we make great disciples? And so your pastors, your directors of ministries, and your team leaders, we're all going to be attempting to accomplish what the Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. Like, Ephesians chapter 4 isn't just my job description as a pastor, but we really feel it's the mandate that we really should focus in on when it comes to, you know, 2018, so that we can grab that barbell and we can curl with both arms. I want you to look with me at this passage very quickly. Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 11, it says this. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the local church. He gave these gifts, right? They're the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And here's what their responsibility is. 
It's to equip God's people or to equip the local church to do the work, to do the work of ministry and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Like we, this is what we're called to do. Some, some of us are called, like myself, are called to full-time ministry. Like this is what God said, Jeff, do this for the rest of your life. But what you need to know is that everybody has a ministry. So I might be a full-time pastor, but you are also a minister. And we all have ministries. And our job as pastors, which I just spelled out with how we want to do that, with Engage and Growth Track and the Leadership College and the Leadership Pipeline as examples, life groups and Sunday mornings and so on and so forth, all of that is to equip you. It's like taking an empty house and putting furniture in it so that we can build up the local church. Building up the local church, that word, its connotation in the original language, this means to build a house. So from our vantage point, we see the foundation that needs to go in. We see level one. We see level two. We see all the entities that need to go in there. We see the unique rooms that have to be built. And our job is to build the entire house. Now, the challenge for you is that we're building the entire house. You might not like the entire house. You might like and prefer one room over another room. But as leaders, we don't get the privilege of just bending to certain you know, demographics or to certain you know likes or dislikes, it's our job to see the whole picture and to build the entire house. And with a church our size, one church in multiple locations, I guarantee you there's going to be some things that we build you don't like. And there's going to be other things that we build that you're going to go, that's fantastic. Build more things like that, Jeff. But our job is to see the whole picture and to build the whole church. And so what I'm asking you to do is to be a part of being equipped and be a part of building the whole church into a healthy relationship and focusing and functioning, excuse me, like the body of Christ. Then Paul goes on, he says this in verse 13, he goes, this will continue, this equipping and building up of the church, it will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be what? We'll be what? Mature, mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So our ultimate job is to grow you from infancy in, in spiritual, spiritual journeys to being more mature in your spiritual journey. And a lot of people have equated those two things like with physical birth and spiritual birth. And they've tried to show the semblances between those two. But I'm going to say to you they're radically different. Like you didn't have a choice to be physically born. You do have a choice to be spiritually born. You didn't really have a choice unless there was some kind of real serious medical situation that was going on for you to grow in your physical stature. But you have a big choice in whether you're going to grow in your spiritual stature. And what I'm asking of you is this. Help us help you by being a part of some of these things that we're doing in 2018 to grow you in your spiritual stature into maturity. Because I'm just saying this, the world needs to see the Jesus living in you. And they need to see the Jesus living brightly and through you. And that's what we're trying to do through this. If we do that, then verse 14, then we will no longer be what? Immature like children. We won't be, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. It's almost like this picture of this boat on the open ocean and it's being tossed back and forth you know, by the sea and eventually a wave's gonna capsize it. We don't wanna see that for your life. 
Like we recognize what our job is, and our job is to grow you in your maturity in Christ so you don't get tossed around. And in this world where you can YouTube anybody, and it seems like everybody and their brother can say what they think God's word says, we're going to do our best to protect you from crazy doctrine. Do our best. And I think you kind of know me well enough that if I sense some crazy doctrine that's starting to sweep through our church, there's no hesitation in me to stand up here and to deal with it and to address it from a biblical perspective. If I sense it in your life, there'll be no hesitation to try to help you and figure out what that looks like and answer those questions and bring you back to God's word because that's where I want to leave you. I want to leave you firmly rooted in God's word so you're not blown around by the crazy doctrines of our day and our age. In fact, he says in verse 15, instead, here's what we should do. We should speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of the body of the church. That just brings me incredible security. Who is the head of the church? Good, good. Get that firmly rooted. It's not me. Like, I'm very, very content being the neck. Let Jesus be the head. In fact, you know what? There's so many of you that say so many encouraging things to me. I just want, you to, I just want to tell you publicly, thank you. I mean, I... As a pastor, I got to remind myself, this is a credible body that is an encouraging body of believers. And you've encouraged me over and over and over again. And I thank you for that. But I'm standing here in front of you, humbly saying to you, as much as encouragement as you give me, I know this, Jesus is the head of this church. And that's why you'll hear us say from time to time, who's the senior pastor of this church? Jesus. It's semantics, I got it. But it's a constant reminder for us as leaders. Who is the real head of the church? Who's the real senior pastor of the church? And why do I choose not to use the title senior pastor? It's because I think there's one who deserves the title senior pastor. And that's Jesus. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And he's the senior pastor of our church. And we, I get to serve as the lead pastor and staff pastors and directors and team leaders and assistant team leaders. We get to serve underneath him, the head of the church. Amen? Now, when we do that, verse 16 then becomes something valuable to us. It says that then he, Jesus, he makes the whole body do what? Fit together perfectly, perfectly. That's what Jesus can do? Because I can't do that. But he can. He can make the whole church fit together perfectly. He can take your cog and fit it into the cog of the, of the local church and make them actually work together. That's what we're going to try to do more and more in 2018 is figure out how to take your cog, fit it into the big one, and make it all work together for one main purpose, to fulfill the mission of the local church and to grow God's kingdom and to let his kingdom be impacted by our lives and by what we do on this earth. So I'm challenging you to join us in 2018. Jump in, find out where you can plug in so that you can be a part of growing and maturing in your faith with me and with the rest of us. So why don't you stand with me and let's wrap this up today. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in 2017. I'm humbled by it. It's, it's incredible to get to the end of the year and to look back at the same stuff we've been tracking for the last couple of years and to see an increase that's so encouraging. It blows my mind away. Only you do that, Lord. Only you do it. 
Lord, we recognize that your word clearly says that it's by your Holy Spirit you're drawing people to yourself. You were the one drawing people. It's not by our good preaching or teaching or our good worship or our warm and friendly church. It's not by a facility. It's not by any of those things. It's by the fact that your spirit's drawing people. And Lord, you could draw people to any church. And I pray that churches in North Platte and in Kearney are overflowing with people. So much so that more churches have to be planted. Lord, let a revival like that hit us in 2018. I pray that. But Lord, thank you. And we're humbled in your sight right now that, Lord, you would trust us, our church, Lord, to grow people, to win people closer to you. Lord, may 2018 be a year of maturity. May it be a year where we mature in our faith. May it be a year where we find traction where we maybe haven't had traction. May it be a year where we end up looking and sounding and behaving more like you than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.